Hey everyone, and welcome back to Stained Glass Stories. We're really happy to be back with you for week two of our podcast, um, and we're going to be talking about some pretty interesting topics today, and it has to do with our our mother Mary. Uh, she is our she is our our spiritual mother, and we're going to be talking about her uh, this week on the podcast because her birthday is coming up on September eighth, and we have two of our biggest uh, Marian fanatics with us today, Matt Ziegler, my co-host, and uh, Abby Leary is with us today as well. So um, just to open up and kind of just start out here, what is your relationship to Mary? So let's start with with Abby, and then we can go to Matt. Well, Abby, tell us about yourself first, like year, um, major, and I hear that you're uh, engaged now. (laughs) This is true. I am engaged to the JT Parker. Yes. Um, But yeah, so I am a senior, uh, double major in theology and anthropology. I'm from Long Island, New York. Um, Yeah, going to get married to JT in June, so that's exciting. Pray for us. Um, My relationship to Mary. Um, Yeah, I think growing up, my family, you know, we grew up practicing Catholic. I'm from a bigger Catholic family. I have seven siblings. Um, and we always, I mean, my dad, we, we, he would teach us like, oh, praying the rosary is good. And, you know, graces come from it. It's um, good for your soul. But I think it was like, okay, this is good. I know it's good. I don't really understand why exactly. But, um, and then as time went on, uh, I came to CUA and I did Marian Consecration. Um, my freshman year at CUA on the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, And honestly, just that. And I know sometimes people are like, oh, it was like so life-changing, like everything changed. And I think sometimes we hear like, oh, it's so life-changing. And it's just, it kind of like, when you hear that, you're like, oh, they're being dramatic. Or like, that's kind of an exaggeration. Um, But after doing Marian Consecration, I... Like, just remembering that day, that day, first of all, um, I, like, it just, I had so much anxiety. Like, there was so much dryness that day. I was like, oh, I didn't do this well enough. Like, I probably should do it again. But it's literally, like, the devil, like, attacking you because that's the last thing he wants. Um, And then I remember just being like, well, I'll, I'll never be worthy I just have to be willing like that's what St. Padre Pio says like you don't have to be worthy just willing they said I'm never going to be worthy of this like I'm there's never going to be a perfect time like oh this is when I should consecrate myself to Mary so once I did that I just felt like so much peace honestly so much peace and and looking back I can see like in very subtle ways like it was life-changing but it wasn't like a slap in the face like oh my gosh like my life is totally different now. Um, but it's like, wow, in these subtle ways, how it's just like, honestly, not that you don't struggle afterwards, but like one of the promises is that your crosses become sweeter. It's, and I can really see that. Like, I can really see that in my life, how Mary has just helped me, um, in very difficult things, uh, just making it manageable and and bearable. Um, so, I mean, obviously she's my mother, but uh, I feel like to be holy is to be Marian. And I think that's just, I just look at her as like, obviously Jesus is the model of holiness, but um, after Jesus, Mary is just the perfect 
person to go to because she leads you directly to her son. So um, it's hard to, to pinpoint my relationship down to like a sentence or something just because um, she's just like a constant guide. Uh, and I love the, the, um, the Marian title, it's Stella Maris, but what it means is Star of the Sea. Um, and that's translated in Latin, Stella Maris. And it's like you just see that like one bright star like over the ocean, like whether it's a storm or, or a calm sea, like Mary is just always consistently there um, guiding you to her son, like how sailors would look um, at like the bright stars at night to like guide to wherever their journey was leading them. So Mary is just a constant uh, source of support and love really what it boils down to that's awesome that's really epic um (laughs) really epic that's cool because i think we both ended in the same our our relationship with mary um that i I guess we both were kind of say kind of ended in mary and consecration but mine began when i was probably um i was probably in like second grade i think i collected rosaries and every gift that my aunts or uncles would get me or my grandmother would get me would be a rosary. I was just obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily praying them, but the, like, aesthetic. Yes. Of, like, how... <laughs> like a collectible. Like, yeah, like, how, <laughs> how dope some rosaries look. Like, they uh-huh. look awesome. And um, it's actually really funny because as my grandparents have passed away throughout the years, I still have these rosaries that they mm-hmm. gave me, um, which has been, like, super awesome to be able to have. But... And besides that, so I, I started collecting these rosaries. I probably had around over a hundred rosaries at one point oh in my, my life. Oh my Yeah, it was crazy. And I, you know, my devotion kind of slipped because I probably grew up and I was like, oh, like, it's kind of weird that I have all these rosaries trying to act like the cool kid. Mm-hmm. And my devotion to the, to collecting rosaries at least <laughs> kind of faded away, um, you know, towards sixth, seventh, eighth grade, uh, went into high school. My relationship towards Mary was kind of almost nothing, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and it started growing more as I came to college and started pursuing the rosary and actually saying the rosary. Mm-hmm. Not every day, but trying to say it um, at least sometimes, if I'm being honest. And then I remember last year, or, or, or Joe, our cameraman, was obsessed. His mom is like a, a genius on Mary. and was obsessed with Mary and consecration. Mm-hmm. It was like, everyone should do this. It's amazing. I've done it like 10 times already. And I was like, always was like, Joe, you're like a freak. Like, what is this? Mary consecration <laughs> nonsense. And my mom would always tell me to do it too. So I bought the book by Father Michael Gately, The 33 Days to Mary and Consecration. Mm-hmm. And I did the consecration. And for me, like you said, it wasn't like this like insane like moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm saved. Like it was more of like a, she's got me. Like I, I, I we'll get into what Mary and consecration is later, but it was more of like a moment, like an intimate moment with Mary where I would look into her eyes and I'd see her son's eyes. And it was something so beautiful that was is, is almost indescribable because mm-hmm. it's just a relationship that you only have with your actual mother, but it's even deeper than that relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's such a unique one. And I remember last year, someone asked me the question at the end of the year, because I did the Marian Consecration last year, um, and I ended on December 8th, the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me the question, like, what was the biggest impact like what, what, what change in your prayer life impacted you the most this year? And I remember instantly thinking Mary and consecration because 
it, it's just epic. And, and once we describe it more, um, we'll get into stories about Mary and how awesome she is, and then we'll describe some of the theology behind her. Um, it, it truly is a gift that God has given us. He's, he's given us a mother because he knew we needed someone to relate to other than, you know, him. Yeah. And, and, and she's there just to lead us to him. But that's probably the summary of of my Mary and consecration and, and, and relationship with Mary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's evident through the way you guys talk about her that she has had a significant impact on your lives. Um, you know, Mary's so known for being her willingness to say yes to the Lord. And through your guys' stories about how you're you know, talking about how Mary's impacted you, your willingness to say yes and accept her love into your heart um, definitely is paralleled. So I think that's, you know, that's something that really sticks out. I think it will stick out to a lot of people who hear the testimonies to your um, to your relationships with Mary. Um, so to kind of go off of, you know, the topic that you two both touched on pretty heavily was the idea of Mary and consecration and what it is. Um, if you could both just, just give us a little bit of a rundown of what Mary and consecration means to you, um, maybe just a summary of what you view it as. Mm-hmm. Um I think it would really help a lot of people who maybe don't know or have never experienced it before. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to note that, like, if you don't know what Marian consecration is or um, you feel like, oh, this is, like, such a big undertaking, like, only for holy people, like, that's just wrong. Like, it really is just wrong. Like, Pope Francis always talks about the universal call to holiness. So um, everyone is called to be holy. Um so yeah, when I was in, in high school, I think I had heard of it like once, but like didn't really know what it was, honestly. And then when I got to college, one of my friends that was a seminarian um, explained to me what it was. And JT, my fiance, gave me um, a True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. Learning like the history of what it was was really helpful before he started it because St. Louis de Montfort is an amazing saint and he pretty much had like the first, like, almost official, like, 33-day preparation um, to, to consecrate yourself to Mary. And he made this prophecy. This is crazy that it happened. He goes, this book is going to be destroyed. It's going to be hidden. Like, for, for like, a century, for years, we're not going to be able to... It's just going to be lost, and it's into the abyss. No one's going to know where it went. And that's what happened. It was lost, um... I think the book was banned and it was burned, like, just in, uh, years later, um, I can't remember who exactly found it, but the manuscripts were discovered, and he's just like, the devil is just going to try as hard as he can to make this not known to people, to make it disappear, and it's sh- it was so cool learning that, because I'm like, what is this? Like, I want in on this. Like, why is this so, um, so powerful? Like, what is behind this? Um... So pretty much what Marian consecration is, is um, honestly giving yourself over to Jesus through Mary. Like, um, I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, why don't you just like consecrate yourself to Jesus? Or And it's like, well, that's what you're doing. Like, you're giving yourself, whenever you go to Mary, you there's, there's nowhere else you can go except Jesus. It's not like she takes you anywhere else. Um... So, yeah, pretty much it's just, like, those preparation where, like, each day, I mean, different um, methods of consecration have different ways of going about it. Like, I've done 33 Days to Morning Glory as well. Um, But pretty much it's a series of prayers and readings each day. Um, It's really not 
like too overwhelming or whatever. Um, and then at the end of those 33 days, you uh, pretty much write out this consecration formula. Like, I, Abby Leary, I, Matt Ziegler, I, Austin Nappy, and then like, write out this whole thing, pretty much like, I give everything to you, Mary. I give you all of my gifts. Um, I give you my heart. I give you my body, my soul. Like, this is what I'm giving to you because everything truly belongs to Jesus Christ. And you literally, Mary, it's, it's so crazy when you think about this because it's like, well, God, you know, he didn't have to enter this world through the womb of, of Mary, but he, he chose that. It, God isn't restricted to anything. Um, that's what he willed for. So Mary brought Christ into this world. And when we give ourselves to Mary, she like gives us back to Christ. Um, so it, and I think something really beautiful that St. Louis de Montfort talked about is that like, we don't want to be a slave to sin. Like we do not want to be a slave to sin. We want to be a slave to love. And like, that is what giving yourself over to Mary does. She takes you straight to love itself, Jesus Christ. Um, there are a bunch of promises that come along with it. Um, that like pretty much your prayers will be need, uh, used to help whatever it is, whether it's a person or a situation in the world that is needed, prayers are needed most like in that uh, moment or situation, like your prayers will go there. And but and also I think sometimes people hear that and they're like, oh, so like if I pray for like my family member or like someone close to me, like are those prayers not going to be heard? And it's like, no, that's not the case. Like Mary also uh, is sure to remind us that she knows what is close to our heart and she knows who is close to us and that will be taken care of. So pretty much it's like, all right, I'm going to give you everything and you're going to provide me with everything. So it makes life significantly better. It's just like, oh yeah, let go and let God, like you guys can take care of this. Like, <laughs> honestly, that's what it comes down to. And it's, it's so freeing. Um, and that's why people wear, um, some people wear chains around their wrists or their ankles or whatever, because you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a slave to love. Like this is what you're giving your life over to. And you, you will not, you will not be lost if you consecrate yourself to Mary. You will not be lost. It is a guaranteed path to holiness. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect or um, you're going to like all of a sudden stop sinning. Like that's not the case. I went through like really intense trials afterwards. Um, but everything, it, it, it's almost hard to put into words because it's so personal and intimate between like you and the Blessed Mother. Um, a lot of things change and... Um, it's just worth it. And don't don't listen to the lie that it's too much, you're not good enough. Um, because that's just the devil. But, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned um, how, you know, God didn't have to come in through a womb of Mary. Mm -hmm. And me and Joe were talking, and Joe's like, what would you, if, if you were God, and you had a mother, and you came in to this world through a mother, how would you want her portrayed? Like, how would you portray your mother if you could? in whatever way you wanted. And Joe was like, perfect, amazing, sinless, beautiful, mm -hmm. and an avenue to move to me if I was God, which is exactly what Christ did. He made a perfect mother that 
just leads him straight to 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 him. And in a, a quick summary that Louis de Montfort says here is, Marian consecration is doing everything through Mary, with Mary, in Mary, and for Mary, in order to do it more perfectly through Jesus, with Jesus, in Jesus, and for Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is essentially the summary of Marian consecration in a sentence. Um, but yeah, Marian consecration is epic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Those are words that I think will, will appear a lot in, in this podcast because, um, you know, it is an epic love. It's an epic devotion um, to to Jesus's mother, who um, really completed such a, a willing willing task by bearing um, by bearing God's son, His only son. And um, I think that there's oftentimes we run into this confusion of is Mary um, is she godlike? Is she um, a saint? Like what is Mary to the church? Um, and I think that this is a really great question to pose to both Matt and Abby as well. Like, what is some of the theology here? What is, like, is Mary and, you know, how do we view Mary so we're not making her an idol? But how do we view Mary in the correct way? Um, I think you guys kind of both mentioned we go through Mary to Jesus. I know for me, I view Mary almost as a bridge, a bridge to get to Jesus. And should we walk along that bridge? And it's not some shaky bridge that is, like, old and drawn out. It's it's a very stable, um, solid foundation, and it was it's built underneath that that love and that willingness to to serve God, the handmaid of the Lord, um, that Mary provides, um, you know, in her in her time um, doing God's will. But you know, with that, I want to really kind of find out from Abby and Matt, what is Mary like? What is she to the church? Yeah, so I guess I give an analogy to help explain her role because she isn't God. Mary's not God, and we don't we don't per se worship Mary because we only worship God, right? So an analogy that I would give this is kind of a funny analogy. So imagine that Mary is like baggage claim and the storage on an airplane, and she's the airplane taking all your baggage, all your sins, all of your hurt, all of your happiness, all your joy, and she's flying it straight up to heaven. Right, so she's holding that for you and you giving that all of that to her just so she can give that all to her son. Yeah. Right. So that, that that's kind of an analogy to help you understand a little more is that we're not worshiping, you know, Mary or the airplane or the cargo hold, but we're worshiping Christ and she's just helping us get there. Because uh, Father Michael Gately says that Mary consecration is the quickest, fastest, easiest way to be holy and to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. Is how he describes it. Um but so that that would probably be the easiest way I could describe how she's not an idol, but kind of an avenue towards Christ. Yeah. Yes, I like that analogy with the, the baggage. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, uh, what Matt said before about how, like, God gave us this mother, like, I think sometimes when people ask these questions, like, oh, well, you know, what is what does this mean about the church? Or, like, give me the cold hard facts and it's like okay well let's think about let's like look back to jesus's life and it's like you think about like the scene of the crucifixion um and who is at the foot of the cross mary mary magdalene um and saint john the apostle and a few others (laughs) um but uh it's like just mary is present at that like that moment that it's just, I mean, it's, it's hard. We obviously weren't there, but it's just imagining what kind of pain um, was occurring at that moment because I actually was able to 
sit in on some Mariology classes with Father James Brent at the Dominican house. And he just spoke about how there's such a deep union of hearts between Jesus and Mary. Like, Mary, um, obviously she wasn't crucified. Like, she didn't go through that passion, but she had a passion within her own heart um, as this was happening. So, like, at the scene of the crucifixion, um, Matt mentioned this earlier, but Jesus literally looks um, at John and says, Son, behold your mother. And then at Mary, Mother, behold your son. And I think sometimes people think, like, oh, that's, like, nice symbolism. Like, that's just, like, you know, to make them feel better because it was a really hard time. But it's, like, no, like, that is so real. Like, it is so real. She's the queen of heaven and earth. She is our mother. And St. Bernadette um, would always say, like, she's more mother than queen. Like, um, and I think just one last thing about this. Um, this is all, something that really got me thinking, too. St. John Eudes, which I don't really know too much about him, but he was a very Marian saint. Um, he talked about, like, well, you think of relics. Like, um, we venerate saints' relics. Uh, and then you think about, um, we, we venerate um, the wood that touched Christ on the cross and the Shroud of Turin. Like, these things are holy, um, and we venerate them. And it's just like, why would we not venerate the very body that gave forth Jesus Christ. Like, they're, and it, like, scientifically, like, they're blood mixed. Like, this is just what happens during pregnancy. And it's just like, why would we not venerate uh, her? Obviously, we don't worship her. She's not God, and that's not what she wants. She's the handmaid of the Lord, just like Austin was saying. Um, so, yeah, she's just a beautiful mother to us all, and it's such a gift. Yeah, I think it's something, it's some imagery that, that comes into, comes to mind is specifically like the two major imageries where we see Christ at, at his birth and in his death, in his death is, you know, Mary holding Christ in the manger and then there's Mary holding Christ at the foot of the cross mm-hmm. and she's only, she's always holding her son. Um, and as Jesus, somebody who came down to earth to take on our humanity, um, to walk with us. We have to understand that Mary takes on our humanity, our flaws, our sins, um, when he, when he, when she holds us as well, just as she held Jesus, um, you know, at both his birth and his death. Um, but something that I think I really want to get into now, and something that makes this the story part of stained glass stories, is to tell some stories about Mary, some miraculous stories, or as Matt would put it, some savage stories <laughs> about Mary. Um, I'm sure she would love that description of herself. I was, I was, Abby was like, what are we doing? And I was like, we're just going to, like, you know, Mary's just a beast. We're going to explain <laughs> how big of a beast exactly. she is. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he comes into my room. He's like, yo, what are we? So he said, what are we talking about on, on, on Tuesday? And I was like, I was like, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? And he's like, well, it's our mom's birthday on Tuesday, so <laughs> let's talk about it. So I was like, that's true. It's, it's her birthday. I was like, we could talk about, we could talk about our mom. Um, of course we, we mean Mary. So, but yeah, like let's talk about some of those, those savage stories that, uh, that, that you guys have encountered in, in your lives and stories that, you know, and let's see what we can, what we can, what good stories we can tell. Oh, whoever you, wants to start off, go, jump man. right in. All right, I'll go. Me, I, me and Abby were trying to figure out if we had the same story because we had two different <laughs> exorcism stories. Yes, these are great. Because one demons are real and they're scary yes. and terrifying. And my story, I was in, I was on a mission trip in Mexico. So I'm in the jungle 
kind of surrounded, you know, by poverty and by just the unknown. And the priest that we were, we were with, I think he was like trying to tell a scary story, but it was also a story about Mary. So it was like kind of epic. <laughs> so he goes, he's like, an exorcist told him this story that, you know, he was performing an exorcism on, on this woman. Um, and, and there was, you know, this demon inside of him that was so angry that the priest was present and he was there. And that right when the priest became, was present and started his exorcism, he just began cursing out Christ. He began cursing out the cross, cursing out the Eucharist, cursing out, you know, God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. You know, saying extremely vulgar things um, that I'm not going to repeat on the show. But, um, and the priest was just sitting there listening to him, performing his exorcism. And he, he just had a moment where he was listening to what the demon was saying. And he, and he recognized the whole in what he was saying. He was like, you know, he's talking about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Trinity. Where's Mary? Why isn't Mary ever mentioned? You know, why isn't why the demons curse out? You know, humanity. They curse out. Um, you know, God. But where's Mary? Why isn't Mary ever mentioned among you know this 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 demon? Mm-hmm. And and so the priest approached the the woman who was you know being exercised and who was is possessed and says says, demon, why, you mention all these things and you're cursing out all these people and, the, and God, but why don't you say anything about Mary? Why don't you say anything about Mary? And, you know, the demon started freaking out, was like super upset over the question and was kind of just like beside himself inside of this woman. And the demon, reluctantly, after a while, responded, because he won't let me. Because he won't let me. Now, how powerful is that? That Jesus won't even let his mother be cursed out by a demon, mm-hmm. but he'll let himself be cursed out. The demon couldn't even say a bad thing about her. Because like I was saying, if you could create your mother, how would you create her? Mm-hmm. You create her as being invincible, as not being prone to insult, as not being prone to, to you know, anything really bad. And Jesus did that, even with demons, even with, you know, the people possessed. But that was just a really epic story. But also, at the time in the jungle, it was kind of, it was kind of creepy, but the ending was great, so it was good. Um, but, yeah, that was just a really cool story that, that I remember made a really big impact on me before. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah, just, I got the chills when you said that. I feel like hearing this story makes my story make like it just makes sense like it makes so much more sense um so yeah mine is also father james brent if you ever get the chance to meet him he's across the street at the dominican house expert in mariology um he told me this story uh so mine is similar to matt and um uh it's about an exorcist um father gabriel amorth who was the chief exorcist at the vatican he passed away i think in the late 90s, so he's been dead for a while, but um, he was there, like, during JB2's papacy. Um, But anyways, people obviously interview exorcists because they're curious. They're like, what? This is like, you know, you see things in movies, but, like, what's actually real? What is going on? Um, And, I mean, he was an 
an exorcist for a lifetime. Like, if you read about him, he's four, he's like 14 years old, and like that's when he felt the call to become an exorcist. Like, there are not many people like him. I don't know anyone <laughs> like him. Um, but he just was so, so firm, like, in his faith. Um, and they kind of asked him, they're like, what? How do you, how do you do this? Like, how are you not, sh- like, shaken up by this? Like, how are you not afraid? And he literally just responded, the Madonna is my stronghold. And they were like, okay, can you explain? Like, what does that mean? (laughs) He's just, like, so mystical. Um, So, pretty much, there's this story that um, he was performing an exorcism. And uh, he was explaining that during exorcism, you kind of have to interrogate the devil. Because the devil is the prince of lies. Like, the devil. And, like, also, you, you can't be too curious and start asking questions and, like, let, like, demons lead conversation. Um, and, like, what you were saying, um, the demon will obviously scream vulgar things out and curse, um, but pretty much what happened was the demon was just, you know, screaming, cursing, doing all of those things that demons do, um, (laughs) and Father Gabriel just started, like, interrogating him, like, what is it that you hate about the Blessed Virgin Mary? And, um, and he pretty much is just like, I can't say it. Like, like just saying like, I can't like excruciating pain. Like the name of Mary was like, there was so much like disdain and anguish in the, this demon's voice. And apparently, um, what an exorcist says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to whatever the command is, the demon has to comply. And also... This is good. Just disclaimer for people who listen to this and are, like, afraid or something. Like, God is one. Like, the a, a quote that I love by St. Padre Pio is that the devil is like a rabid dog on a chain. Like, he cannot do anything to you unless you get too close. Like, and of course, if you're praying the rosary, consecrating yourself to Mary, all these good things, you'll be very far away from the devil. Um, just a disclaimer, because I know these things can be a little scary, but, uh, like... God is one. Um, So, uh, Father Gabriel commanded the demon to pretty much answer his questions. Like, you have to tell me the truth in the name of Jesus Christ. And the demon can't not obey um, a command because it's in the name of Jesus Christ. So, he pretty much says, like, "I, I can't stand Mary because she is all pure, all humble, and all holy, and I am all um, uh, broken, all prideful, and all deceitful, like, pretty, pretty much, like, he's the antithesis of Mary, like, total opposites, and then he said, like, and I am, like, more humiliated to hear the name of Mary than I am to hear the name of Jesus Christ, because Mary, a mere creature, defeated me, and, like, Jesus, obviously, is God, Mm -hmm. so, you would expect someone who is above you to defeat you. But, and then he went on to say, like, I was a strong, like, prince of angels, like, before, you know, Satan fell. Um, So he goes, it's so humiliating for him to hear the name of Mary. And then, um, further on, he keeps just interrogating him, Father Gabriel Morth, trying to get this demon out of this person. Um, And the demon pretty much just confesses in the name of Jesus Christ, like, 
Each Hail Mary is a blow to my head. If Christians only knew the power of the rosary, it would be my end. So it's just like, when you hear that, and when you think about what it means, like, Hail Mary full of grace, like, another thing to note is that in scripture, when angel Gabriel came to Mary, I think sometimes people think, oh, he said, like, Hail Mary full of grace. And first off, hail in that the biblical context context is just a greeting like it doesn't mean like oh hail like I'm gonna worship you like lay down um but hail just means like hello like this is a greeting and he didn't even say Mary he said hail full of grace so her title is literally full of grace and titles and like in in scripture are very heavy like that holds a very um deep meaning So when you hear like hail full of grace, Mary is the fullness of grace. So you think about all these graces like humility, purity, wisdom, all these virtues. She has that in full. And it's so important to like think about this and think about like all these amazing mystic saints like St. John of the Cross or St. Teresa of Avila. They have like these spiritual ecstasies like Mary's mysticism is deeper than that because she is the fullness of grace. So, of course, why would the devil not be intimidated by her? Um, so it's just like, yeah, there's so she, she's so powerful, and praying the rosary is truly a weapon. So it, to hear these stories, it's just, it's so moving, and it's so important. Like, jacks you up. To like exactly. Beat the, you know, out of the devil. Like, to just <laughs> exactly. Like pound him. With, with Hail Marys and Rosaries. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we're, we're in a spiritual battle against the devil here. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we, no it's, true, it's true. It's true we are. But, um, I, I want to thank um, Abby and, and Matt for both sharing those stories and for, for their passion for, for Mary. Um, you know, in, in my own faith journey, I have not grown to, to have this um, overwhelming connection to Mary yet. But I as I hear people talk about it, as I hear... Um, other people's faith stories um, it inspires me to grow closer in prayer to her um, you know and there'll be later weeks where we talk about other um, figures in the church and obviously Christ the son um, he was very closely connected to Mary and there'll be there'll be opportunities where um, that that connection will, will always be there it'll always be constant because Mary is a central figure of the church um, Today is just is her day to focus on her, especially on this podcast and on September eighth for her birthday. Um, it's it's important that we tell these stories. Um, it's important that we listen and we we allow these stories to to be crafted with our own ears and eyes of faith, um, and allow you know, the desires that were put in our heart and our mind through God um, to really tell us where our faith needs to go, um, where it needs to take the next step in that journey. Um, and it doesn't need to model anybody specific. It just needs to model what God is calling you to do. So when you listen to these stories, please take them in, pray on them, um, and allow them to fill your heart um, with the love and grace that um, you know is very evident and that's been filled between Abby and Matt. So uh, once again, uh, thank you. Uh, I think Matt is going to have a quick plug for um, Theotokos Mary Ministry. Yes. So this podcast is brought to you by Campus Ministry from Catholic University of America. 
and the university has a marrying a marrying group. It's kind of a, just a group to grow closer to marry, essentially. And we're going to be Theotokos is going to be running um, some candlelight procession um, in October, and also some uh, walk around uh, rosaries throughout the year. Um, and those dates will be announced through Campus Ministry's website and through Campus Ministry emails from your student ministers um, and stuff like that. But just to close, um, JP2, his, his, his logo for his papacy was Totus Tui, which is totally yours. Um, and we just encourage you guys, hopefully this podcast helps, which encourage you guys to just make you, yourself totally Mary's and totally Christ through Mary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, guys, enjoy your week. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, like I said, you know, like Matt said as well, we we're uh, you know speaking here from the Catholic University of America, um, home to the uh, Basilica, also the Immaculate Shrine to Mary. So um, we definitely are at the at the spiritual heart of of Mary here um, at Catholic University. So um, thank you for tuning in to Stained Glass Stories. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you tune in next week and catch us on Spotify.